Are you ready to get the support you need for your author career and life? Join international indie bestseller Angela J. Ford and fantasy author Stephanie Wabwa as they talk all things writing, publishing, and the real life of an indie author. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Living your best indie life starts here. Welcome back to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show, and this is episode six. Stephanie, can you believe it? We've already done, what, five episodes, and we're on number six already. Yeah, no, that is awesome. Honestly, I just love that the vision that was in our heads is just blossoming, and it's, it's just going forward. Um, last week, we got to interview a dear friend, but just an awesome indie boss, Shayla Raquel. That was such a fun conversation. And now just going into uh, you know our sixth episode, I think that's just great. We're moving right along. Yeah, it's awesome. And everything is going so smoothly and so fun with podcasting. Um, but how is writing going for you? Writing is going phenomenal. So last week we, uh, we talked about me just diving into the story. And this week I'm super happy. I am currently starting off the week at 12,000 words, just a little bit over 12,000 words. And so of course with NaNoWriMo, the goal is 50,000. I gave myself an obnoxious goal of 100,000, which I can do if I keep a constant, uh, if I write consistently 5,000 words each day. Um, that would actually put me over the 100K mark. And so that's my goal because the project itself, <laughs> the goal is 200K. Now, something tells me something. There's a little voice, a little fairy voice in the back of my head that says, your novel's going to be a lot longer than 200K. And I really hope it's not because that's a lot of editing. And I just, I'm not in the mood, but you know, I'm like, I don't know if I'm here for like editing all that, but um, the goal is 200K. I'm going to try my very long winded best <laughs> to keep at that. So I'm currently at 12,000 and the goal this week is to write 30,000 words, 5,000 words each day, Monday through Saturday. So we will see next week if I was able to meet that 30K goal. <laughs> what about you, Angela? How is Nana going for you? Oh, well, it is not going at all. <laughs> you know, we have real talk here. So this is some real talk. I actually don't know how I get anything done at all. I don't know how I've gotten anything done at all this year, but somehow I have. It's magic. Um, I just moved into my dream house and my library is almost all set up except for the artwork. The walls are very plain. So all that fun stuff. But I haven't written because I've been moving boxes and loading, unloading. So I am about, I think, 4,000 words. I think 4,200. Yeah, that, that's how many I'm into my uh, book right now. So, you know, it, it's moving along. But it's, it's a little distracting, though, because it's book two in the series, and I keep having ideals. And so I keep going back to book one and editing it and putting in those ideas. So I guess I'm not really done with book one. But I kind of like it, though. I like that I'm writing book two because I like that it's not like book one is not published because it makes writing book two a little bit easier because I'm not stuck in a box. I can go back and change everything. So it was very fluid and very exciting. And I decided that maybe I need another POV in there and just all kinds of fun things. It's really fun. I'm really excited about it. I'm just not, I just don't have the writing that's happening. But hopefully by the time we have our next episode, I'll be 
doing a little bit better by then. Who knows? I mean, word of encouragement, 4,200 is still better than zero, which, you know, so many, you know, said this year, I'm going to do nano. I'm going to do it. And we are, let's check the clock here, right? It is November 11th. And there are some people who still have zero words now. So, 4,200, way better than nothing. Um, and I think that's really cool. You know, you talked about how because you're writing book two, you can kind of go ahead and, like, modify book one. That's awesome because then, you know, a plot twist that's coming later, you know, if you had already published book one, it's like, oh, I can't do that because the storyline's already out there and readers are not going to be happy. <laughs> like, or you would have to, like, completely rewrite something in there to tie it together. So I think that's really awesome. And I wish you all the best. I'm so, I can't wait to get these books in my hands. I love Faye. I love Dark Faye. I just, they're so conniving and mischievous. And they're like, they have all these mysteries going on. So I, I'm so excited. It's going to be a good time. It is. And I'm really excited about it. I wrote in an awesome plot twist at the end of book one that just like, I just can't wait for people to read it because they're going to freak out. I love freaking out readers. Uh, <laughs> it's so much fun. But I think one of the other things that's really fun and different about the series is that this is actually the first series I've written since um, that's in like a brand new world. And so I have to do a fair bit of world building. And so that's also that's something that's really fun because for the most part, I've been writing in the same world for years and years and years. And all of that world building has been done, which takes me to today's topic that we're, we are going to talk about world building. We're going to dig into it. And I really want to interview you, Stephanie, because you do such a good job, like digging in and getting into like the details and the nitty gritty of world building. And so, yeah, it's something that I'm starting over again. So I'm really excited to talk to you because maybe um, there'll also be some other ideas or things I've forgotten about to put into my new series that is somehow not done. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how about you take it away by just talking a little bit about world building, what it is, and where you start with world building. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to world building for me, it's always the concept. Um, for me, I am a very visual writer. I have to, I'm a visual learner, period. I have to see things for me to be able to comprehend it. Um, if someone is just speaking at me, but they're not drawing or anything like that, I cannot understand what's really, I can't process it. And that's the same thing when it comes to writing for me, especially, you know, we're fantasy writers. And for a lot of us, you know, epic fantasy writers, we are creating these brand new worlds. And so I have to be able to visualize what it is that, you know, what this world is and, you know, what these people or these characters will look like before I even dive in. And so I like to get, you know, I call it kind of like a movie screen on the back of your eyelids. Like, okay, I can close my eyes and see what is going on. So when I get the initial idea, um, so for the series that I'm writing, it is a series about angels and you know the different ranks of angels and just livelihood of angels right and so when that series came into mind the initial idea i so my idea came from heaven and like you know i am christian so a lot of my work is based off of um christianity and just like biblical stories and so 
I thought initially, okay, you know, what could have taken place during the time before Lucifer turned and fell, you know, got booted out of heaven. And so like, I could visualize that. I could visualize this, this city with all of these angelic beings. How many wings do they have? What do they look like? You know, what do they live in? What do the buildings look like? Do they, do they even have ground, you know, or do, do they fly all the time? Do they even run? What's the point of running when you can fly, you know? And so when it comes to world building, I think that's super key, just being able to visualize what it is you're about to create first, because then if you can have just, just even a small vision, whether it's, the characters, you know, you can kind of see what they look like, um, whether it's fae, werewolves, vampire, whatever the case may be, you know, if you can visualize characters, or if you can vis visualize maybe like a building, or a street corner, or if you can visualize a marketplace, right, I don't think there's a fantasy novel on this planet I've read where they don't take a trip to the marketplace, <laughs> you know, it's just like a cornerstone of fantasy novels, and so if you can see that, then you have somewhere to build upon. Then you can start to gather inspiration that aligns with what you see and visualize in your head so that you can start to bring that to life on the page. Ooh, love it so much with uh, the visualizing. And I really like that too, because I also do the same thing. I have to visualize and it's really hard for me to start creating a world without having a map. And I guess that would be the one thing that I have to visualize. And there's actually, pausing here for a quick pro tip, um, but there is this free software, this site called eCarnic, and I'll include that in the show notes below. But that's the place where I went and I started building out my map um, instead of hand drawing it out. You can also use, you know, if you're good at drawing, you can draw it out. My people look like little stick people, so they look silly. But it was just a, a great place to go to build out my map and just kind of help to visualize the world. And so you mentioned a lot of good things there. You mentioned the different species and the, just the different kinds of things that you want in the world. Will you talk a little bit more about that? And also, I guess, the, the magic systems and the, um, I guess, the tiers of what people believe in and just the, like, do you have peasants in your story? Do you have the the kings and the queens and like all of that how do you bring all of that together nice so that is what i would call more of the micro version of world building so i i like to say that you can tackle world building through the macro version which is you can go from like your universe go in um so you know you you define like okay what are you know are there different dimensions different realms different planets that they travel through? because i do have that in my world it's it's that extensive you know they travel dimensionally they go from world to world depending on which dimension they're in time changes so you can start from that macro level or you can do micro okay what does their normal world look like you know what do they eat every day what do they see every day that kind of thing and so for my story pardon me so for my story there is all of that depending on where they are so i have um depending on the dimension so i have one dimension that i where all the planets are called great lands they're just like these massive sized planets you would mostly find your higher ranking angels there your seraphs your cherubims some of your principalities and then if you go to a different dimension um 
your you would find your minor lands there which you would have your lower ranking angels so the principalities there would be at the top of the food chain and then it goes to archangels and then just regular um, angels they all look different they all have different sets of wings they all have different amounts of hearts they all have different kinds of powers um and you did bring in the topic of the magic system as far as the different ranks magic is different depending on what rank of angel you are you know whether you it's um innate it's an element to the point where like for my seraphs you know they don't have magic they are magic right like they don't have power they are power so you know they don't wield fire and you know like make it come up they are fire like their actual flesh is that element and if they put on the flesh of an angel they're putting on i don't want to say a costume but they're putting something on that's not their original nature whereas at the bottom of the food chain so to speak just your regular angels they don't have any powers at all right and so their no, their normal nature would be almost like a human being just with incredible power or just a really incredible strength um and so there i want to you know tackle this properly so with magic you know i align it as far as like the different classes and then also i kind of when it comes to magic uh you got to be careful no one can be this invincible being right like there has to be limitations there has to be you know drawbacks there has how there has to be a way for you to die you know what i mean like you can't just like be able to swoop out of every situation because that's not realistic you know readers cannot relate to that because it's not real you know no matter how powerful you are something has to be your kryptonite so to speak right and so with magic you know you come up with okay what can it do what can it not do right what are some exceptions and then what are some things that just will never happen no matter how much of it you have and you know you can go into depth with that but as far as like the rest of the world um i do have that you know uh, my main pardon me, the, the minor lands, the, the smaller planets, um, they have continents called mainlands. And so depending on, depending on which mainland you're in, there's a different leader, right? Whether it's a queen or whether it's an empress. I, so I was not trying to be feminist, but I do realize I have a lot of lady rulers. <laughs> um, not necessarily planned, my friends, but um, here we are. So, you've got your queens without kings you've got your empresses you've got your um you have your councils kind of like a parliament but um they're made up of just ladies <laughs> you know and they have more power than the actual queen herself you know so it just depending on where you are you know there's different kinds of leadership but there there are all those all those different things you know your your castles and your your kings and queens and you know your institutes and your academies your training centers and you know your guards and your warriors like there's just it's like epic fantasy goodness <laughs> you know what i mean so there there's a lot um that goes into it and as far as when it comes to just not being overwhelmed i would say tackle these things um one at a time <laughs> you know so tackle your your magic one at a time like and really break it down you know no cheating and once you set a rule stick to your rules you know you can't start writing and then just break it because that's just we, we don't do that <laughs> we don't do that and then you know go on and tackle everything else there's just so much to talk about but yeah <laughs>
No, there is. And I'm really glad you mentioned like taking things one at a time because the first word that comes to mind when I think about world building is I am overwhelmed. I'm not going to do it because it just is so much. And for those of us who feel so overwhelmed when it comes to this, uh, obviously taking it one at a time is helpful, but do you follow a little bit of a roadmap or guideline for building out your world? Or do you just kind of wing it, so to speak, even though like winging it is not in your vocabulary? <laughs> yeah, winging it is like, I try to think of what winging it actually means. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, so I am very meticulous with my world building honestly mainly because the world just has so much going on i feel like if i was writing something that wasn't so intricate you know the story wasn't so intricate there wasn't so much backstory that like overlaps with all the different characters um if i was writing a story with only one pov in it you know i could get away with like let me just touch up on the world building and dive in however i do have four POVs in this particular novel and that's just to begin with you know book two will introduce more characters on and on and on and so because of that and their backstories there's just their backstories are very unique and they all overlap and connect in a way and so because of that I have to build I have to world build so meticulously and so um I personally start from a macro level to a micro level and I'll just kind of break it down a little bit um so our listeners can kind of understand okay these are the different elements that she tackles and then um we can go further into what those entail so um when I first begin my world building I dive into the world itself meaning like the universe you know are there different planets are there different dimensions are there different galaxies that kind of thing so i dive into the world on a macro level on a just very broad general expansive level that may be overwhelming for some you don't have to do it if it is that may not be necessary for your world you don't have to do it if it's not you know don't waste your time you know pro tip here don't waste your time on things in world building that do not add to your plot and are not relevant to your story like yeah okay cool you want to you know you want to know what they like to eat but is that ever going to show up if not you really don't need to spend your time figuring out you know do they eat fruit or do they not like fruit maybe they like chicken like you know it's just really not necessary to be like wasting time on these kinds of details um you know so focus on what your story needs for me i need to know and understand um just how just how i how i want time to work in different dimensions how do they travel between those dimensions things like that so i start from the world so that's the first um, part then i move on to fantastical beings and creatures i am a huge fan of just supernatural fantastical creatures i love them i love them i love them angels demons um griffins basilisks mermaids sirens i just i can go down the list i i just think they're super cool you know they're different they you know the different mythologies around them are super awesome and so for me at the outset of a project i like to think what am i including in here you know and so for my story i was like okay i want sirens 
I I don't necessarily want mermaids. I want sirens, though. I think I do have mermaids anyway because I mean, how can you not? <laughs> so, um, you know, I want unicorns. I want Pegasus. I want I I did this weird thing where I have some historic creatures in there. Oh, I just, you know, I make I I kind of decide what creatures you know what fantastical creatures I will include in that story put that in there um you know list that out and then I'll I'll start to do research okay what what mythologies are out there for these different creatures how can I put my own twist on it and things like that so then I'll go into fantasy days um and then I'll go into societies so like civilizations and um just the different classes of society government money education language I'll dive into that then I'll dive into culture, then I'll dive into historical foundations, which are like um, what we like to call just the general term backstory, you know, what happened back in the day for things to be the way they are now, as far as like wars and who allied with who, who became enemies with who, you know, who invaded who and lost or won, you know, like just how did life um, become to be after these things took place right so I like to dig into that and then the final thing I, I break down of course is the magic system what can it do what can it not do who has it who does not how do you get it where does it come from all these kinds of things so there it's an extensive process and you know I gave you six different things that I hit which I go into it extensively but um on the general general um statement you know those are the those are the six things that I really dive into when it goes into world building Wow, that is so much and it's amazing, but it is it is so much because when I think back to when I first began world building, I don't think I thought about it and like broke it down to six steps and said, okay, step one, let me do this. Step two, let me do this. But as you were talking about it, I realized that's exactly what I did. I just didn't like think, okay, I'm doing it right now. I just did it. And so it's not as scary as it sounds. Um, going through and doing the world building, which I love. It's, it's so much fun, just like creating a world. When you're going through the process, and I think this process works for, it works well for fantasy, but also if you're doing like science fiction or dystopian or just something like that, like, you know, apply the same process when you're going through that, because you can still use the, I guess, the core structure of world building that you're talking about just to make sure that your world is is built up. Do you ever go through and kind of use uh, just like history and research or base your your world on a specific culture or do you pull from different cultures when you're creating your world? Um, I do. So one of, in the minor land that the story kicks off in, one of the mainlands, continents, y'all, one of the continents, minor land planet. Oh, <laughs> so one of the continents, um, it's called Zibunju, and Zibunju is my, is a little black girl inside of me screaming, Wakanda, forever, at the movie theater, okay, so, like, so, I have this world, listen, for all of my chocolate brothers and sisters, this one's for you, um, so, <laughs> is based off of that list I I just I first of all with world building you want to have fun you know and so I wanted to bring in elements that I thought would be cool that that would be different but that would also kind of like just 
um, for those who would pick up the book and read it, they could see themselves in it, you know? And so Zibunju, actually, I took all of that inspo from Wakanda. Not, as, not necessarily the tech. Um, I don't think, I, I haven't gotten, I don't, you know, they don't even show up in book one. So I, <laughs> the people there anyway, like an emissary does, but like we don't really hear much about the world in book one. So I haven't really dug into it yet, but I really don't think there will be tech. However, as far as like, those African cultures and like the style of dress, the way they eat, the way they, you know, the respect that they have for tradition and for certain um, different characters in society, you know, the way the, just the landscape in, in general, you know, there's more exotic animals and like, those are, those are the beings that they, that's their transportation, right? Like they ride lions, you know, like, so um, I do take, um, I do like to think of what did I see, what did I watch in the movie theater, or what did I read, or what did I see that I thought that is absolutely phenomenal, and I take that and I use it as inspiration. Chronicles of Narnia, you know, um, I have talking beasts in my novel, you know, so I have um, this beast called an Emberfjord. And an Emberfjord is basically this massive-sized pterodactyl um, that's made up of light and shadows. And it's just a super large bee, super scary, and they talk, you know? And they're very sarcastic, honestly, borderline rude. But, <laughs> you know, they talk. And so I just, yeah, I, I do, you know, I'll think, of, I'll think of things that I've read or maybe places that I've been and I'll think that is just awesome. And I also, I don't know if that's because I'm trying to be like unique or I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but I love to pull in things that I feel like I don't see often or that I don't read often. And so you won't catch me having vampires. Sorry, y'all. Won't do it. <laughs> shucks you know? we disappoint it please the vampires uh, can't do it can't do it um you won't catch me you know like pulling in um you know what what YA readers love triangles oh oh love triangles yes I love triangles I don't I really don't think I, I will do that just because I read it so often and it like and I get this like nervous twitch, like, oh, why are we doing that? Why can't we just pick one? Because that's appropriate. Uh, so um, I like to pick things that are different. And so like, I'll look for characters and for, you know, creatures that are different. I'll look for um, different kinds of worlds that are different. Again, Wakanda, we need, first of all, we need more Wakandas. Okay. So uh, here is my, you know, this is my portion, <laughs> my token. But um, yeah, so I, I, I dig into history. Once I find something, if I don't know much about it, I will do research. I will say I'm, I, I'm lazy in that department. It's terrible. I like to just make things up. I, I, just, I really like to just pull from my brain and just like, all right, what can I create from this? But um, if I really don't know, then I'll research. Like I had to sit down and read up on the Big Bang Theory and like I had to look up, you know, what makes up planets and stars and all that stuff when I was like working on the universe part. Girl, my head hurt. But <laughs> but um, if I don't know, I'll research. If I know enough, I'll make it up, honestly. <laughs> but I do, I do base, um, I do create with a lot of inspiration from things that are already out there and that the majority of the public already loves. Yeah, and I 
I think that's really cool. And that makes a lot of sense because then you're really just using something as a foundation and something to stir up your creativity and then taking it from there. And as a fantasy author and, you know, sci-fi, this can apply too. It's, it just go with it. Like you're writing fiction. And so I like how you make sure that you're using something that's realistic and then going ahead and applying your own creativity. So you don't have to do all of the research. I think if you were writing historical fiction, I think that's where you would just have to just dig in and just really just focus on the research part of it. But you're, you're not, and we're not, we're fiction writers, you know, so we need that foundation to inspire the creativity and then go for it. And I also like how you're really focusing on things that haven't been done very often and you're making sure that that happens. And I think that's really cool because that creates a rich experience for the readers because it's not something that they can go ahead and say, oh, okay, like I know that, boom, here comes the love triangle, got this. Um, here comes this other thing. All right, this weird creature that's lurking around that's probably going to be a vampire. Like you're bringing an element of the unexpected into the stories. And I think that will make it that much more entertaining and rich. And I'm actually really excited to read this series. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. We should hang up so you can get back to writing. <laughs> No, for sure. Um, I think it's important, you know, just for authors, period. I think it's important that a reader doesn't pick up our books and say, oh, I've read this already. It's just different characters. I can't tell you, mm, I'm not going to call names, that's rude, but I can't tell you how many books I picked up in 2019 and I put them right back down. I was like, I'm not doing this. I've read this already. And as a reader, it was disappointing because it felt like regurgitated work. Um, I'm not a fan of that. You know, don't get me wrong. There's really nothing new under the sun, but you can take something that's already been done and put your own twist on it and bring a fresh new perspective and a fresh new story. Angels aren't new. You know, demons aren't new. You know, griffins, phoenixes, these things are not new. However, it's just... First of all, bringing them back because they kind of like get kicked out and there was a whole fad about with just certain um, mythological creatures, but then also just bringing in a fresh perspective, you know, like, what did you want to read? Oh, okay, write that. <laughs> you know? so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because right now it is late 2019 and we're still writing the tailcoats at the end of Game of Thrones. And so when people think about fantasy and mythical creatures, everybody's writing about dragons like that is dragons are all the rage right now and they were even more so earlier this year but we're still kind of riding that wave of dragons and so i think that there are other authors that are looking at it now and going okay let's see everyone's writing about dragons what can i do to be different and i mean readers will always love dragons i actually asked a question in my um, for my community, just ask them like what mythical creature they would adopt as a pet. And 90% of them said dragons. So, I mean, dragons are, they're just massive, but I like how you're stepping out and you're kind of focusing on some other things and just bring in some, some freshness to the, the fantasy genre, which is, which is much needed. And I think as authors, like there's nothing wrong with writing the story that you want to read but I think it's just brings something unique when you're stepping out and just pulling in some other elements that other people aren't focusing on as much it's it's just really fun it just wows the reader uh, like I said earlier but 
It's fun. I like it. So how, and this might be stepping a little bit away from world building a little bit, but you write YA fantasy. And so there are specific tropes in YA that, you know, readers kind of look for. How do you balance the world building and doing something new and different with making sure that you're still hitting those tropes or you're still writing something that you know that YA fantasy fans are going to love? Mm, that's a really good question. So for me, um, because I mainly read YA and that's what I write, it kind of comes naturally, um, you know, and that that's unfortunate for people who want to write YA but don't really read YA, which I wouldn't recommend. Um, if you're going to write in a genre, read in that genre. <laughs> it's really important. But um, so just to balance it out, knowing, okay, I'm trying to do something completely new. However, I do have to bring in things that they do like. And so for me, I keep that in the back of my mind, right? Um, at the end of the day, I cannot write a YA epic fantasy and have no love story in there. That's just not going to, that's not a thing. That is not a thing. Teenagers need a love story. They need it to be a heartbreaking, heart-wrenching one. Like one uh, one or two in the in the mix is like going through all this stuff and maybe it's a, you know, enemies to lovers trope or it's the you know best friends to lovers trope which we need to have more of that thank you very much (laughs) you know or you know whether it's the trope of you know abused abandoned gone through so much life um and became this hero and became this defender of justice and wanting to bring hope and restore love back into their society um I keep those in the back of my mind I know for sure okay I am creating this fresh perspective I am bringing in it's a different world it's honestly it's a different world I'm not trying to pat myself on the back it's just a matter of like I look back and realized everything that I like gained and put together before I started writing and I realized oh we're doing something new okay (laughs) okay and so um recognizing that okay if I'm going to bring you into a brand new Narnia I have to give you some things that can make you feel like okay this isn't too much you know because if everything is new and you can't place yourself in it then you're not going to want to keep reading and so um I do adhere to those tropes and I make sure like I include that in my plot you know there there are those different um there are those different elements of the plot that I keep in there so that I make sure okay readers have something that they're used to while they're being introduced to something completely different wow that that's really cool how you kind of just blend that together and make sure you're still hitting the tropes and while you're writing something new and expansive and I like how large your world is like I'm really excited to read about it and hearing about your process is really cool because I know that you didn't skip over the important parts like you took your time sitting down and creating this world and now that you have it created it just makes it that more that easier to write about it and plot it out and I know that I spent I don't know I think I spent like 10 years developing my world it's because I was a teenager and I had nothing better to do. So it's just a, it's just different. Um, just the, the time and the scope of it all. But I remember when I was world building, just like sitting down and just writing out the different creatures that I wanted, because again, I wanted something that 
people could recognize, but would be different. Like I didn't put the traditional elves and dragons and orcs and all that stuff in there. I just made up my own names for it, which is, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. Um, but yeah, I love what you're doing. It's, it's fantastic. Um, is there anything else about world building that we should know? Um, absolutely. Before we even get in there, though, I did want to hop in and say, um, cause you touched on that. I didn't skip any steps. I didn't skip any steps this time around because I did skip steps the first time and it cost me. Um, so one reason, you know, for readers who may be like, gosh, this girl's crazy. Like I could write three novels in that span of time and you can, but, um, I, when I first started, this story is not a new idea. I, I got this idea three years ago now, which I think for, for many writers, you know, like yourself, you were writing your first, you know, the four worlds that was birthed in your teen years, right? So I feel like a lot of us, these worlds that hold so much weight and become this massive project by the end of it, they are, they are built over time you know, they're, they're cultivated over time. And when I initially began the process, I did a little bit of world. I did a little bit of world building. Like I got the different places. I thought, I think I had the different ranks, actually not as extensive and just a few other things. And I, and I dove in, I wrote 118,000 words and I was like, this isn't it. And I, I tossed, so I didn't, I mean, you know, my words are somewhere in Scrivener safe, but I had to toss the entire thing because it was not the story. It was not the world. It was not, it was not anything that I was writing now. Granted, maybe I needed that process to get the real story out. But, um, because I went through that phase where I didn't really world build, um, for a world that is so expansive, I didn't realize how big it was until I started world building. And I realized, Oh, this thing is huge girl get yourself together and just don't even I know you're tired you're over it you don't want to have to go through all these questions and like figuring all these little details out but it's important because the world is so big um and there's just so much history you know I remember you telling me that the four world series had like 3,000 years of history or so um and with with this world you know I'm calling it you know what I'll save that <laughs> when draft one is done I'll tell you the name of the of the series guys almost dropped it but um when I when I think of the world it's huge and because I skipped steps I had to start all over and so that's why this time around I was like just sit down just do the work just do the work no skipping steps no cutting corners just do the work <laughs> you know it's tiring now but hey by book two, it's not like you have to start all over again. You know, all the work is already done. And so um, going into the question of what are there things I would suggest as far as world building? If you are writing an expansive world, do the work, y'all. Like it, it, I'm not going to say at all times it's fun because at the end of the day, writing is work. <laughs> you know, we have fun, but at, um, there are days where it's like you're pulling teeth to get all of those details from your brain onto the page. And that's before you write a single word, right? Um, if you're like me, if you're a plotter like me, you do all of this up front. And so um, I would say, you know, don't, don't skip steps, you know, 
take the time to figure out the different cultures, you know, figure out what is the government like, figure out what your social classes are, figure out who has powers, who does not, um, figure out, you know, the nations that are allied and just know about, you know, wars past and, you know, treaties that were written in the past that are, that are literally the foundations of what you, what the characters are experiencing, right? Because what happened in the past shapes their normal world. And so it's just, it's really important to dig into those things, you know, get, get involved and understand your character's normal world like just like you go to a park when you want you know to just clear your mind or you go sit by a certain lake or you know you go bike riding around your neighborhood or there's you know where your favorite library is and where your favorite restaurants are your favorite movie theater it's the same thing for these characters all of that shapes their nor their world view and builds the world right so um you know have these uh, just know these these elements you know the fantastical ones the realistic ones that readers will be able to relate to and then also stick things in there that are just for fun you know have that we are fantasy writers make it up and go with it and have fun and create something unique and different for your readers to fall in love with ah oh, stephanie such sage advice on world building and writing and all the things. And I'll be taking some of this to heart because I'm still working on my Fae series and it's um, part writing, part world building all at the same time, <laughs> as you don't recommend. But it, it just means I have to go over it again when I get done, um, just to make sure everything is lining up with the, the way that I'm planning it out. But this is absolutely fantastic. It's a really cool process. It's a lot to, to think through. And I believe on your website, you have some resources for authors are, you're working on it where they can go to kind of figure out more about story and the process and writing and making sure that they have everything together. And so we'll include your website in the show notes. And so they can also go directly there. Absolutely. No, um, for any, uh, shameless plug, um, for any listeners who are like, okay, I do want to do that. I just don't know how. If you do go to the website, which will be in the show notes, no worries. You don't have to remember if you're driving in your car right now and you're like, oh, I don't have a pen and paper. Um, it will be in the show notes, but I do have what I call world building boot camp. Listen, it is not for the faint at heart, okay? So, you know, don't enroll and then you're like, this is difficult. I warned you. <laughs> um, it is pretty extensive, but by the end of it, you will have your very unique, different world, top to bottom. Um, so if you are more interested in that, that will be in the show notes for you, World Building Bootcamp. Woo, that sounds awesome. And again, the Show notes are always at IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash, and this is episode six, so it'll be 006. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for joining in, guys. The journey to becoming a full-time author on your own terms doesn't have to be lonely or hard. We have an awesome community where we chat daily, write together, and motivate each other. To be part of this vibrant community of indie authors living their best bookish life on their own terms, go to IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash inner circle for more information. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love to hear more from you. Leaving a rating or review helps us to create more great content like this. Be sure to rate this episode and subscribe to the show. Thanks for listening to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. See you inside the community.